You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore Daddy. After almost 700 episodes, I suddenly forget how to do my intro. I think the problem is I've been very, very diligent on my diet, and then last night was not great (laughs) as far as the diet goes. So there's this infusion of uh, um, calories, carbohydrates, sugar, and my body is just like, I don't know, chilling. It's like I I woke up, I'm not even hungry. Like, nah, let's just not do breakfast today. Like, you want some coffee? Nah, good, well-rested. We slept like a baby. All right, just go down and do the podcast? Yeah, I guess. When I sat down here and was like daydreaming for 15 minutes, this is a weird day. Got to get back after it, man. My body is too satisfied with life right now. I don't operate well under these conditions. But uh, big congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the first time in a long time that I am not furious about the winner of the Super Bowl. So aside from a shot to my ego... Everything was great. I'm very happy, as I said. Uh, I'm a, I don't know if I would say I'm a fan of the Chiefs. Of course, I'm not really a fan of any other team. And I typically tend to not like teams that become very, very good. But aside from the fact that they are a very good team, and um, Pat Mahomes is like the first quarterback that officially stole the spotlight from Aaron Rodgers, I do kind of like the Chiefs. Chiefs fans, you know, they've been suffering through a lot of stuff. Most Chiefs fans have never seen the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I would assume, at least, at least that they remember. And it's not a team that has a history of stomping out the Packers, unlike the 49ers and any other NFC West team. So no NFC West, no other NFC North, and not the Patriots. I'm good to go, man. But obviously very, very impressed, especially after the stuff that I said yesterday with what the Chiefs were able to do. Biggest reason is because everything about that game was saying that San Francisco was playing their style. I know the the score kind of got ramped up after that last ridiculous touchdown when the you know obviously the 49ers just gave up so they let in another seven point really this was a 24 to 20 game when you're looking at a 7-3 first quarter when you're looking at a 10-7 half or a 10-10 half and especially a 20 to 10 third quarter it's like dude this this has 49ers written all over it but that that is well that's one of many redeeming qualities about the Chiefs is that they don't quit and uh, they, of course, have the ability to score a lot of points in bunches very quickly. And you got to just be on your, on your game for one solid hour. It's also what makes it dangerous because even when you're playing, quote-unquote, your game, and you're not allowing the Chiefs to run at the score, and it feels like the 49ers are doing their thing, the problem is you're only up by, <laughs> by a little bit. And as much as that screams 49ers are going to win, the Chiefs don't have to do a whole lot of damage to, to take this game away from you. But anyways, a couple quick thoughts about that, I guess and uh, specifically how that may or may not pertain to the Green Bay Packers. And then I wanted to take a look at a few players 
that uh, are not necessarily free agents but are cut trade candidates. Just maybe some other options that the Packers could possibly seek out. No real reason to talk about that. It's not obviously Super Bowl related or super pertinent. The only other reason is there's not a lot else to talk about. There's no other Packers news. I haven't been prepping to do any other work because it's the weekend and it was the Super Bowl. And so I might as well just drop this one on top of it. It's still probably going to be a short episode. So, Anyways, that's the plan for today. Thank you very much for Bob for jumping in on Patreon. Again, the expectation is that we will get to 100 patrons by the end of the month. And as a result, the giveaway will be that the winner, who, by the way, if you are opposed to Patreon, you can give in some other kind of a way. I know some people don't like Patreon for one reason or another. Anybody that gives will be entered in. The uh, winner at the end of this month will be able to tell me a design for a Green Bay Packers shirt. I will go out and pay to have that designed and sent out to you, and it will also be sold out of the store. You'll have to consult with me a little bit because not everything is going to be okay. There are going to be some guidelines as to what it can have and obviously the complexity of it. This is not going to be a thousand dollar design because you gave me five bucks, but it'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be good. Anyways, join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, like the Facebook page, uh, leave a review on iTunes, all that good stuff. Why don't we take a break and talk about some stuff? Hey US cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ladies and gents, if you're looking for something fun to do this spring, may I recommend to you heading out to Arizona for the Cactus League Spring Training. Fifteen MLB teams all converged in Phoenix, Arizona, or the surrounding area, and go uh, practice their baseball skills and whatnot. It's a great way for baseball fans to head out to one area and get to see a whole lot of baseball. You get to see a whole lot of different baseball teams, a whole lot of different baseball players, and a whole lot of baseball stadiums. In a relatively short period of time, extra added bonus, very laid-back environment, so you go get to see some of the players beforehand, get some autographs, take the kids out. Kids love it. Also, side bonus, if you are a baseball fanatic, and let's say the rest of your family isn't so much, you just sell it as a fun family vacation. You talk about all the other extra fun stuff that the kids get to do. Found this great hotel. You get to do outdoorsy stuff so the kids aren't, you know, watching TV all day. Show them the great outdoors. Go teach Johnny to be a man. You know, what? however you want to sell it. But at the end of the day, you just get, get to go watch baseball all the time. Because you love baseball. So make sure you plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Alright, so a couple, I guess kind of random thoughts coming up. Because it's hard to... They don't all come together into one cohesive thought. So rather than having a theme, let's just talk about a couple individual things. Let's start with a comment in the Facebook group. I'll, I'll, I'll look for about five seconds to see if I can find it. Otherwise, it'll go unnamed, and I apologize for that. Well, as I'm searching, Brandon says maybe defense doesn't win championships. Either way, this is a slap in my face, because on one hand, he's wrong, because the Chiefs' defense did a pretty solid job. However, that was kind of one of my points going in, so I, I lose that argument either way. But that, that was one of the, if you remember yesterday what I was talking about, the, the 49ers are a team with a great defense and a 
great offense. In fact, their offense was statistically, not by you know some of the more advanced rankings or whatever, but statistically, points and whatever, the offense was ranked actually better than their defense was. But the, the bottom line is, you know, looking back at what what is my hypothesis on this? Well, if this was a dominant 49ers defense, and this is the way it's going to be billed, dominant 49ers defense against elite Chiefs offense. I just, I don't really agree with that. The biggest issue is the 49ers have a very good offense and defense. The Chiefs, you could maybe say, have a much better offense than their defense, and that was definitely the case I was trying to make yesterday. The problem is, when you look at this game, they kept the 49ers offense, which is a very good offense, to 20 points, and Pat Mahomes played like garbage yesterday, and they won the game. I know he won the MVP, which is a little dumb, considering the announcers were even saying, this dude is having a terrible day, and and flat out... This team does not win if the Chiefs' defense doesn't step up in a big way. So I, you know, if this was a team that had a very good offense and a garbage defense against a team that had a very good defense and a whatever offense, then yeah, this this would be a pretty clear offense beats defense kind of situation. I just don't think that's exactly the way this goes. Not not as defined. This is definitely a team. The Chiefs' offense is better than the 49ers' offense. The 49ers' defense is better than the Chiefs' offense. But I just don't see it as being that clearly defined as much as the, the NFL media folks propped that whole thing up. But again, I lose that argument either way because I spent yesterday talking about how I don't respect the Chiefs' defense, and they stepped up. And that's kind of why I'm trying to find this other comment. Dustin, that's my guy. So he went on, he had a couple different comments, but I'm pretty sure Dustin's the one. So the, the overall problem that Dustin has is this is a first-year defensive scheme, and they shut down the 49ers. Right, they, they switched. I mean, it's a new defensive coordinator. They switched to a new scheme, all that stuff. First of all, the, the biggest issue I have with that mentality is, I guess, twofold. To, to give an over-exaggerated example, it would be like if I was talking to somebody about the progress I've made in my podcast over three years, and I talk about, well, look, it's grown from year one, year two, year three, and I think we're doing pretty good, but, you know, it takes time and whatever. And somebody comes along and goes, oh, really? Did Joe Rogan have to take time? I would say a one-year turnaround is a bit of an outlier. Beyond that, though, I don't know if this is a one-year turnaround. It was a great game by the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a great game plan coming in, and a lot of times that's just what it comes down to. But the fact of the matter is this is the one of the worst run defenses in all of football. They did a great job against the 49ers, but I'm just telling you the reality. And these two things can be true at the same time. This is the 29th ranked defense against the run. 29th, 4.9 yards per attempt on average. So they showed up when it mattered, but I'm not going to pretend like this is suddenly an elite defense in year one. It's just not. They've got a lot of stuff to work on. Now, I will admit the, the comment that I didn't find that he had before that. The one thing that definitely bothers me, and it's with the Packers for a very long time, and it's it's... If we're going to lose in the playoffs, can we please just stop getting embarrassed? Because they're definitely, and I will agree, there is no excuse to get beat as badly as the Packers got beaten. And maybe it does just come down to LaFleur coming in on Saturday night, which, my goodness, I love the guy, but he needs to get kicked real hard for that. Maybe that's it. And again, one day doesn't make an entire performance a thing. And that's that's the problem with a lot of people that I've, I've been getting a lot of angry comments from certain people. And they're still furious about that game. And they pretend as though the 49ers-Packers game is the only game you can use 
to give an example of who the Packers defense is or who the Packers are in general. That game is who the Packers are. Forget the rest of the games. And again, this is kind of what Dustin is doing with the Chiefs game. That is who the Chiefs defense is. Not really. Kudos to them for showing up when it matters. Absolutely. And yes, it can be done. That that point well taken. Of course it can be. Again, John Gruden, he took a, a terrible team and in one year, in his first year, won a Super Bowl. Now, he didn't win any others, I don't think. But hey, point is, it can be done. But again, just because one team does it, let's look at how many teams fail to do it. I just think we have to, I mean, you don't have to do anything. You can have whatever thoughts, opinions, feelings you want. For me, I'm, I'm not happy about a lot of stuff, and there's definitely some room to grow. But I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a standpoint of where do we go from here? What needs to get better? Again, we we got to beef up the defensive line. Now, should we have to? Why why did the why were the Chiefs able to do it? Chiefs don't have a better defensive line than the Packers do. I I don't know, man. I I just I don't. I don't know. They played better. They wanted it more. More heart, more passion, better scheme. I I don't know. It's not just scheme. I mean, at the end of the day, the the Packers players got pushed all over the place. They were more hesitant, they were weaker, they were softer, they were slower. The Chiefs were violent. They were aggressive. It was about hard, man. I, I've been binge-watching the last several days these World War II things on Netflix. Just amazing. It's these one of these recolorized things, which was kind of the, the appeal at first, but I, I could not care less if this was black and white or not. It's an amazing thing on Netflix. I would encourage you to watch it. But the first episode is Blitzkrieg, and it's all about how the Germans had this new thing where they're just going to go really, really fast, right? Technology was changing. They got these tanks that just fly around, and they just move really quickly. And nobody knew what to do about that. I mean, they were also on crystal meth, which helps a little bit. So they didn't. They literally didn't sleep for like three days at a time. Took over Poland like it was nothing. Literally, like, got France to basically give up in five days. One of the largest armies, militaries in the world. They didn't give up in five days, but after five days, they were like, dude, I we, we just, just letting you know... Uh, Great Britain, we, we're done. We're we're out of this. We're we lost. At the end of the day, the, the Germans had no possibility of success. The the German generals, I promise this is pertinent, but I'm telling this is crazy stuff. They were trying to develop a plan to lose because they were like, dude, this Hitler guy's a little dumb. He's a little crazy. My words, not theirs. But they they recognized we can't win this war, so we're going to develop a plan so that we lose. Basically, we're just going to go head-to-head, just go smash into them. We're going to lose, and then Hitler will be like, yeah, I guess we can't do it. And the general's like, oh, yeah, shoot, I thought we could. Oh, well, let's just go back to the old plan, not attacking France and, and England. Let's just go back to picking on the little guys over here and leaving them alone. Maybe just call it a day. That's that's how much they had zero chance. But at the end of the day, some other dude who was not about this game plan of let's just quit came out and was like, oh, i got a better plan. Let's go around this way and go really fast and snort some coke or whatever i don't you know going nuts so it was a wild west back then man drugs were just all over the place and the fact of the matter is these germans were just they, they were crazy they were faster they were stronger again drugged out of their minds so they, they just were more pat and the french were you know they got the good life man just because you had point is just because you got this bigger army doesn't necessarily mean much the same thing happened with the japanese and the american americans eventually kind of won out but it was kind of embarrassing to start out Japanese were hardcore. They were ready to go. They were a militarized unit. Same with Germany. I mean, this was a militarized country. They were angry. They were motivated. And you got these kind of lax, rich, happy, prosperous nations with, you know, lots of machinery. But that doesn't mean much. They didn't want it. They weren't as passionate. They weren't as angry. And they got rolled over. 
I know at the end of the day that you know the good guys won and all that, but that that's the point. It's not always just about who has the biggest machines. The amount of heart and passion that goes into it means a lot. And so when you've got me saying, look, the defense, the defensive line just isn't there. And it, 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 again, what is, I was getting text messages because, of course, Bashad Breeland gets a pick after I talk about how bad he is. Of course, Derek Noddy is making big plays in the background after I talk about how good, how not that good he is. Of course, Tano Passanio is making plays after I'm talking about how not good he is. Why are the? Am I just wrong? Are the, have these guys been dominant all year and PFF just is making stuff up? They've always been dominant. They've always been elite. And just nobody knows what they're talking about except, you know, the, I don't know. PF. No, the fact of the matter is it's just it's any given Sunday. They have very good coaches that came up with very good game plans. And they had a Chiefs team that was just wildly motivated. And they just all played, not all, but several guys just stepped up in a big way. They wanted it. I'm not going to say they wanted it more than the 49ers, but this was a motivated, energized team. That's not what we saw from the Packers. And at the end of the day, that's the difference. It's not always as simplistic as this is just what you should expect. Now, granted, it does come down to the coaches a lot of the time. Where did that motivation come from? I would assume it just comes naturally. But going back to the World War II thing, I would think pretty naturally, if you're the French and you're going into battle, you're pretty motivated to not die. But there are there is such a thing as being more and less motivated even in war. And there can be a massive difference between that. You literally had the um the UK and the US basically sleeping until their own cities got bombed. The Americans refused to get involved until they got bombed. The UK was involved, but they couldn't get anybody to do anything. Nobody cared about it. Everybody was just you know that the announcer made the comment that they're a naturally sleepy people until London literally got bombed, and then suddenly it's like, all right, dude, all right, now we're awake, now we're coming. The difference is the Packers were sleeping. The Packers were the UK, powerful ships, powerful army, but sleeping. And that's part of the reason I don't like the whole, let's just get everybody's trash, get rid of everybody. No, dude, no, I'm not happy about the fact that they're sleepy. I mean, literally and figuratively. Of course I'm not happy about that. And that is a problem. And I do wonder about the super laxness of the locker room and how they always talk about how the great thing about Matt LaFleur is that he lets us be who we are. That's great to a point. But at some point, you got to step in and say, no, you're not going to be who you are anymore. Because who you are is kind of a jerk. You're kind of a jerk. When we fly to a different city and I tell you to get some rest... And, and get up and do some push-ups and eat some oatmeal, you're out drinking till 2 o'clock in the morning. And then you sleep in. And then you're hungover. And then you're not doing the things you need to do. You're kind of a jerk, and I'm not going to let you be the person that you are. And again, then what did we see? We see Matt LaFleur worried about his guys not doing the right stuff. But rather than just stepping up and being a man and demanding, you will do what you're told. We're flying out Friday, and if anybody is going out doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, you and I are going to have words. Rather than that, rather than just getting in his guy's face and saying, be a man and and do the right thing, he says, well, I'll just, you know, be less confrontational. We'll just fly out Saturday. That That's one concern. He's going to have to step up. It's doing great things for the locker room and for these guys. They're all getting along great. That's cool. And they all love LaFleur and they're all getting along. But you, you can't keep running away from this stuff. Rather than confronting them, We'll just protect them from themselves. But no, dude, we're going to do the right thing. And the expectation is you will do the right thing as well, or we're going to have problems. Just 
kind of a lack of discipline is what it seems like. Disorganized, sleepy. And that's a big part of the reason why any given Sunday is a thing. You can look at who's better offense, who's better defense, what the stats, this, that, and the other thing. But so much of it comes down to the heart, the soul, and the passion of the game that's being played. That's why home field advantage is such a big thing. Why does it matter? And it's not just crowd noise. That plays into it. But it's not just, well, it gets a little louder and it makes it harder and that sways things. There's extra motivation. The whole, this is our house motivation. Hearing the crowd cheer for you gets the team amped up. It's about passion and heart and soul. Chiefs had it in spades in the Super Bowl game. And I think the 49ers did too. I think these are two very good teams, two very deserving teams. The only person I can point out that uh, maybe looked like they weren't up to the task is the one that won the MVP. But again, we'll leave that alone. But the, the point is, as much as there's disappointment that the Packers weren't able to do this kind of stuff, as much as I'm really, really sick and tired of not just losing but getting embarrassed, as much as I wish that we could just come up with a game plan like the Chiefs did, which, by the way, very impressed with the Chiefs. The 49ers, it looked like the 49ers were able to execute just about everything that they wanted to. The fact that, you know, by, I don't even know when it was, halftime or in and around that time, when the only pass beyond 10 yards was like one 16-yard pass or something to that effect. Again, it just pointed to the fact that this is everything's playing into the 49ers' hands. But Andy Reid had the ability to say, look, this pass rush is coming. Bosa was there almost every play. There were four sacks in this game, which sounds like a lot against the Chiefs, I mean. Bosa only had one of them. They were there every single play. But Andy Reid said, we're going to get away from what we used to do. We're going to do a quick passing game. And they were able to execute it. And that's another one of the benefits of the Chiefs. And it's also why it's, it's, it's a combination of having the heart, having the passion, but also having the coaching, but also having the personnel. Because if you make a drastic change to your offensive, not necessarily scheme, but game plan about how we play offense, you better have the personnel to do it. And of course they do. Guys like Tyreek Hill can play anything. They can do anything. Guys like Travis Kelsey, it doesn't matter. If, if we're going to try to stretch the field, he can stretch the field. If you're trying to dump the ball off in, in within two seconds, of course he's going to be able to help with that. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do a lot of misdirection. We're going to try to keep him off balance. Of course the Chiefs can execute that. Again, another failing of the Green Bay Packers. They kind of can't. They can a little bit with Devontae. Devontae can stretch the field vertically. He can play short. He can play slot. He can do a lot of that stuff. But there's not a whole lot else to do. And it puts the Packers in a situation where they can actually dictate to Devontae. So they can say, like if they want to keep the Packers from doing short stuff, they can scheme up Devontae in such a way to say, no, you're not taking the short ones. You're going to have to go deep. And then so they take that away. Nobody else can help. Right? We don't have a Travis Kelsey. We don't have somebody else that says, okay, you can dictate to Devontae. We're just going to go over here. So now suddenly we have to try to throw it deep, but then that's when the pass rush comes. Conversely, you look at guys like Tyreek Hill. The most amazing thing about Tyreek Hill, you got you got situations that are like a third and seven, and they're giving them 10-yard cushions. That was one of the most amazing things, and I've seen it several times. Third and seven, they throw to Tyreek, and he just runs across the first down marker because they give him that big of a cushion because they're that scared of his speed, which, by the way, is why teams are so enamored with things like speed it doesn't just translate you have to be a good football player but that kind of stuff alone where you're so scared of his speed and getting behind you that on a third and seven you give him a 10 11 12 yard cushion whatever it is so that he just runs to the first down marker we flip it to him and he just runs right across it like it's nothing they just gifted a first down it's incredible so it's it's the combination of things and i think both teams have that both teams have incredible coaches both teams have Good personnel. Some of it, like the Chiefs, are a little bit more concentrated in a couple areas. The 49ers are a little bit more spread out. They got talent in a lot of different places. 
but then they also have the the heart and the passion. And I hate to say the Packers don't have it, but that's the only reason you have games like you had against the 49ers. That's the only reason you have a team that just doesn't show up at times. I mean, the, the volatility is, is the problem, and the volatility doesn't come from the talent. The volatility is a hard thing. I mean, th- there were games where they completely shut down the run, and then there's games when you get embarrassed on the ground. The wild up-and-down swings of the Green Bay Packers. And that's just one of the things that needs to get worked on. That's one of the things that coaches need to review is even how they approach the locker room because it is a very soft and passive approach. And again, it has a lot of benefits. We saw how cohesive this was and how much the locker room came together, and that's awesome, how loud and vibrant and everything they became. But I think maybe next year you got to tweak it a little bit to start getting at least a little bit more in certain guys' faces or at least leaning on the leaders to say, look, you guys are going to have to push a little bit. Because you know some guys are sleeping out there. Even forget the 49ers thing. Let's just say that was LaFleur's fault for getting them out there late. Fine. Some of these other games, when guys aren't doing what they need to do, it's going to be on these guys like Zadarius to step up and say something. If these guys aren't in the books like they need to be, they don't even know where to line up, they don't know how to run their routes, they don't know how to do this, that, or the other thing, it's not acceptable anymore. We've seen that for several years with the wide receivers. Guys not knowing what to do, where to be. And it's hard to know exactly if that's the situation, but how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers throw his head back in frustration? And I never know, is that Rodgers blaming somebody when it's not really their fault? But he doesn't do that a lot with Devontae, does he? Again, I've talked about that several times, where you don't see as many overthrows with Devontae. You don't see a lot of frustration with Devontae. Why do you think he throws at Devontae? In critical situations, partially because he's very good. But at the same time, you can't even trust these other guys to be in the right place. It was why the last wide receiver coach got fired, not this... Not this most recent guy, but the last guy. There were rumors that Rodgers couldn't stand him. Was telling the wide receivers don't even listen to him anymore. You had the issue with carded practice where guys couldn't do the right thing even though it was laid out, do exactly this. So it's, it's a very, it's, it's raw and it's new. And yes, it's true that, you know what? You don't have to be terrible in your first year. You can step up in your first year and do stuff. And we've seen that, for example, on the Packers. Darnell Savage stepped up in year one. But the point is that shouldn't be the expectation for everyone all the time. You can't expect every coach to have an elite first year. You can't expect every scheme to be elite in their first year. You can't expect every defense's first year, every individual player's first year. All these things are different. And by the way, again, let me remind you, 13-3 and in their first year is pretty impressive, regardless of how you come across that. The Packers did not have the easiest schedule. I know all about, well, they didn't play anybody. There was a lot of really impressive stuff that happened in that first year. It was volatile, sometimes real good, sometimes real bad, sometimes offense, sometimes defense, sometimes neither, sometimes both. Maybe. I don't know. Was there a game that was both? Maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I guess I just don't agree with the idea that we should only judge ourselves against the 49ers and the Chiefs and not against every other. Look Again, how many times have, look at every other first-year head coach. You want to talk about, well, you, sh- you should expect more in the first year. Look at every first-year head coach. Pick a different one. Do you want to pick a different one? Should I go through the list again? In order, Zach Taylor, two wins. Cliff Kingsbury, five wins. Brian Flores, five wins. Vic Fangio, seven. Adam Gase, seven. Bruce Arians, seven. Matt Patricia, nine. John Gruden, 11. Matt LaFleur, 14. Actually, sorry, John Gruden. Some of these guys weren't first years. I was just going in order of least wins. Matt Patricia and John Gruden are in their second year. Matt LaFleur is ahead of them. Got more in one year than John Gruden. By the way, John Gruden, legendary coach who took a team to the Super Bowl in the first year after being, you know, the guy I reference all the time. He got a bunch of money because he's that guy who doesn't need time. He can get him up and ready to go in a year. In two years, he has 11 wins. Matt Patricia in two years has nine wins. 
Continuing on, Frank Reich in two years has 18 wins. Matt Nagy has 20 wins. Mike Vrabel has 20 wins. If Matt LaFleur gets seven wins next year, he passes Mike Vrabel, Matt Nagy, and Frank Reich in in the first two years. There's a handful of coaches he could pass. (laughs) Here's an example for you. You know how many wins Kyle Shanahan has since 2017? 24. He has six more wins than Matt LaFleur. The team that was in the Super Bowl this year. Matt LaFleur can pass him in his second year. He can have more wins in year two than Matt, than Kyle Shanahan had in three. And by the way, that's an example of a team that needed time. You want to talk about how it doesn't take time. You shouldn't expect things to take time. It could just happen overnight. Explain the 49ers. I know they're very good, but let's not forget where they picked last year. And, and Listen, I understand the quarterback situation. But let's not pretend that's the whole thing. The difference between the 49ers being a two-win team and a Super Bowl team is is Jimmy Garoppolo? Nah, I don't think so. I think there's more to the story. There's a lot that came together all at once this year for the 49ers. And so, again, it's, it's the happy, not satisfied mantra that I've had the whole time. There's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be excited about. And as far as optimism in the future that things will continue to grow and get better, there's every reason to be. Because the most important things that you can have on a, on a, on a team, my current belief, this is one of my hypotheses, feel free to disagree if you want. It's not even that super hypo, not super controversial. But a GM, probably the most important, a head coach, and a quarterback. Packers have that. Now, it can fall off. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe Brian Gutekunst was kind of a flash in the pan. He got lucky in free agency. He got a couple lucky picks in the draft. You know, he had two first-rounders last year. You know, I'm just trying to think out loud of what the negative people are going to say. Rashawn is a garbage player. He'll never be good. You know, he got lucky with Savage and Elton Jenkins. Plus, that's only two, and you should get seven out of seven or eight out of eight, or however many picks you have, even though nobody ever does. But but everything you need for sustained success, the Packers have, and that's the good thing. They have a guy like uh, Russ Ball to protect the salary cap, which is an important commodity. We, we, and the, the other impressive thing about the Packers staff is that the biggest concern is that they load up with guys that are very good at scouting in college for the draft. They're not very well known for loading up on players that are pro scouts and their ability to hit a massive home run in free agency last year is beyond impressive because they have the ability and the personnel to be very good at scouting for the draft and apparently can uh, can hold their own when it comes to scouting for free agency because again let's let's not pretend like everybody knew that this was the right path everybody wanted d ford everybody wanted justin houston everybody wanted earl thomas not that these are terrible decisions but these are very high priced people where it's you kind of know what you're getting and you're going to pay for it nobody was even talking about zadarius or preston everybody wanted to pay top dollar for landon collins nobody wanted adrian amos amos by the way is a better safety than landon collins and so yeah i do have confidence now, it's, it's, of course, guarded confidence because I understand that there is no expectation of winning a Super Bowl. There's the expectation that that's the goal, but unfortunately, that's the goal for 32 other teams, and the Packers are only one of 32 teams, which is why I have the ability to recognize that even getting to the NFC Championship in Lafleur's first year, in Gutekunst's second year, in, in Pettin's second year, bunch of other players' first and second years, just getting there, pretty impressive. Again, I hate that they get embarrassed again. And, you know, it's, oh, they broke another record. And every highlight video looking at the 49ers for the Super Bowl was how they dominated the Packers. Drove me nuts watching that. 
But again, one of the biggest benefits a lot of these teams have, there's a lot of different components. I stand by the fact that I think the Packers have a better defense than the Chiefs, and the Chiefs got it done. So the question is, scheme and heart. Can they get that up to par? Can we see that level of passion that we saw from the Chiefs to be able to shut 29th-ranked run defense going toe-to-toe with the 49ers and not getting annihilated on the ground? Granted, they did average 6.4 yards per carry, so it's not like they did that great of a job. But a lot of that was Debo Samuel just absolutely ripping them to shreds. Which, by the way, that's one of the things. This, this is why I'll openly admit, and I've said this before, when it comes to the draft, there are certain guys that are winning in the NFL. And usually it's the guys that are not my guys. I've got certain guys that I like, certain traits that I like that just are not where the NFL's at. And the Debo Samuel phenomenon, those kinds of guys, are the guys that I just I don't understand when I watch them in college. Not that I dislike them. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But there's no question that the 49ers have been able to utilize Debo Samuel in a very special way. And and several guys. I mean, it, it's there's no question there's there's some special pieces that both of these teams have. And the Packers have some special special pieces too. But looking forward, what is it the Packers want to have? I, I have to think one of the number one t- priorities, and this is a question that was asked to me by Austin uh, in Patreon. I didn't respond there. I was about to type it out, and I was like, you know what, let's just do it on the podcast. He said, uh, so I got to ask, if the Packers go out in free agency looking for an offensive weapon, do you think it'll be a receiver or a tight end? My first thought is to play the odds and say, well, there's going to be more available receivers than tight ends. But I, I just I have to think it's tight end. I think it's not a coincidence that the Packers have paid top dollar for tight ends for a long time. Misguidedly, they're always looking for older, over-the-hill veterans. But I think they understand. I think they've been seeing this trend for a long time. I don't think it's a coincidence that Kittle and Kelsey were in the, the Super Bowl together. I think that NFL teams, you know, we, we always talk about the offense continues to evolve to beat modern defenses, and then those defenses evolve to beat those offenses. And I think right now one of the biggest components to stress modern defenses is tight end. And there's no question that was one of the weakest points of the Packers offense is the tight end. And so, I listen, I have hope. And I'm excited that Jay Sternberger is going to turn a corner. I don't know if I'm willing to bet the franchise on it, though. And if it's that important, and if we have the ability to go out and get an Austin Hooper and just re- eliminate the risk, I think the Packers are going to do it. Maybe it's not Austin Hooper. Maybe it's somebody else. But I think they're going to make a make a run at it. Especially when you look at the draft and say there's a billion wide receivers. They're all over the place. If, if you can't get a quality receiver in this draft, you're probably just not cut out for your job. At least that's the narrative coming out of the draft community. It's so stacked, and it's so stacked with talent. And these guys are super fast, which is what the Packers like. If you want a, a, a Debo Samuel type, you got a LaVisca Chenault. If you want speed, it's I mean, it's just everywhere. K.J. Hamler, Ruggs, Rager super tall receivers. I mean, this is, it's just the, it's the do everything class. They've, they've got it all. Smaller, shiftier slot guys. We got it. Big, tall boundary guys. Got it. Tall speed. Got it. Shorter speed. Got it. Quickness. Got it. It's just whatever you want. It's just a buffet. And again, so if you look at the importance of tight end, you look at the fact that the Packers have been trying for a very long time to get Aaron Rodgers a tight end. I I think that that's going to be, I, I really think in the free agency, the top two priorities are I know a lot of people are probably going to say linebacker, but I think it might be defensive tackle and tight end. Just trying to guess. I mean, I know we want linebackers. I know that's one of the biggest deficiencies we have, and we have talent along the defensive line. I'm just thinking with Mike Pettin and what he's been trying to do over the last several free agencies and where he puts and the Packers put their emphasis, they want a dominant defensive line, and linebackers are kind of secondary. Not to say they won't get a linebacker if it's available and it's valuable and they think it's a, they're going to go do it. 
I'm just talking priority. I, I think Mike Pettin really wants a, a upgraded defensive line, and I think they want a tight end. And again, this, this is the time for optimism. And I know there's a lot to be disappointed about. The that should have been us kind of mentality, whatever. Unacceptable that it wasn't us. Maybe the Packers need a little bit more of that. But I think some people, Dustin, need to just recognize how impossible all this is. And this isn't the 49ers' first year. This isn't the Chiefs' first They've been building this for a long time. I know it was the 49ers' defensive first year. And again, this was not that good of a defense. They made it work. For most of the season, they made it work just by blowing out teams offensively. But again, one of the worst run defenses in football. You talk to Chiefs fans, what is your biggest priority in the draft? They're going to say corners. They don't like the corners. They're not very good corners. So again, happy but not satisfied. There's, there's room for growth for every single team. But what the 49ers and the Chiefs have been able to build over the years that they've been building is impressive. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. The Packers are able to build something special in one year too. Not quite as masterful as the Chiefs have put together over the last three years, or the, or I mean, the 49ers over the last three years. The Chiefs, man, how long is, how long has Andy Reid been there? He's been the Chiefs head coach since 2013. I know Mahomes hasn't been there the whole time, but so what? Yes, they changed the scheme, but it's a lot of the same defensive players, it's a lot of the same offensive players, same coach for seven years. Let's let's give them some time. And let's recognize that although a lot of teams are better in certain areas, the Packers are, are really solid in some areas. And let's have some trust and faith that the Packers, who rebuilt the Packers pass rush, one of the weakest pass rush units in football, turn that around to become one of the best pass rush units in all of football. Let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. We had one of the worst corner or DB units. It's not one of the best now, but it's certainly better than it was two years ago. Safeties and corners, heads and tails better. Let's see what happens when they attack the offense. Let's see what we can do in a year. Again, this is the season of optimism, man. I'm excited around this time of year. So anyways, very quickly, let's take a break, and I want to point out a couple other players that we haven't really talked about. I'll keep it kind of short, and then we will uh, call it a day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So, first of all, a couple, let's look at tight end. These are mostly kind of older guys, but these are possible uh, cut or trade candidates. Obviously, Jimmy Graham is on this list, but we're not interested in that. Also, why we should be a little wary about going out and doing some things. But Jordan Reed potentially could be cut. Obviously, an older guy, unbelievably talented, but constantly hurt, which is a problem. Uh, Greg Olson, 35 years old, no Vance McDonald is an option, not super excited. However, two guys otherwise to consider, Cameron Brait. He is 29, kind of a a high-risk option, but he was a big name a while ago. 2016-2017, he was a pretty good tight end. Obviously, they're going to be, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be dumping a bunch of money in a lot of different places. They've got a lot of talent elsewhere. 
Um, being able to pay Brait what, what he's probably worth is probably not going to happen. I don't know how many times I can say probably in a sentence, but um, I think I think I'm about maxed out. Six five two forty five. You know, not again, not the greatest option, but possibly somebody that gets cut that isn't going to cost a billion dollars that is worth something. But um, again, the risk is it's been about two years, well, three years, the last two years he hasn't done very much. But who knows? I, I don't know what the plan is offensively. I don't know if we're still going after older veteran guys. Maybe we're keeping Jimmy Graham. I don't know. I, who knows what we're doing? But Cameron Braid is another option. Somebody else to consider. Again, kind of a long shot, but of the one that maybe makes the most sense, Delaney Walker. Now, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's more likely that he retires than anything. He's 36 years old. But the only reason I say that is because Matt LaFleur coached Delaney Walker. And in fact, when he was at Tennessee, Apparently, he had written the entire offense around Delaney, which also goes to show how important tight end is, because that's the kind of guy LaFleur is. He's building offenses around the tight ends that he has. So, obviously, he came to Green Bay. He had to go to plan B, because you're not going to build an offense around Jimmy Graham, probably. But Delaney Walker has been that kind of a guy. He's that talented. Now, do we want to assume he's not going to completely fall off at 36, the the same way Jimmy Graham did at 31 or 32? Probably shouldn't do that, but again, options, I guess. Another option is Mr. Trey Burton from the Chicago Bears. It's very possible that the Bears, who have uh, wanted some success with some of their tight ends, they've had several guys that they thought were going to be breakouts, and then due to injuries and other things, it just has never really panned out. Uh, Trey Burton was one of the guys that was expected to be kind of a big, big time, like he's going to step up this year. Pretty disappointing. Played eight games, 14 receptions, 84 yards. It's only going to save a million bucks, but next year it would save uh, $8.8 million on their cap. Burton is 28 years old, so he's, I thought he was thought he was younger, but I guess he's been around for a while. He played in Philadelphia for four years. Again, there was a lot of excitement. He's a, he's a much smaller, somewhat faster guy. I don't know if that's super going to pan out for Lafleur, who wants you to be able to block also. But again, I I just think Bears fans are wrong about Trey Burton. Is the bottom line. We can look at it and say Trey Burton's talented. The Bears just squandered it. I if it's me, I just think Trey Burton was overinflated by what Bears fans thought, and it's just not working out. But again, another option. One person that is a potential really, really, really big pickup that nobody is seeing coming is going to depend if the Jacksonville Jaguars decide that they're going to cut Mr. Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius was the third overall pick by the Buffalo Bills in 2011. He is 30 years old, so he's getting up in age. Um, But he has been one of the best defensive linemen uh, basically from 2013 to 2018. Absolutely dominant. Now, this past year, he only played, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Didn't super impress in any of these games, but you see that a lot when you see a limited snap count and a guy that gets hurt, the, the grade is ten, tends to be lower. So that's going to be a question. Is he done? At 30 years old, did he fall off, right? He's hurt. He doesn't have it anymore. Or is this still Marcel Darius? Now, being 30 years old, he's only got a couple years left in the tank, so this isn't a long-term solution, and it's probably going to be very expensive, which isn't typically how the Packers like to operate. But if if the goal is to go out and get a big monster that is going to be dominant against the run, Marcel Darius has been the standard for that for a very long time. So if the Jaguars caught him, expect his name to be a really, really, really big name. Again, not offering a ton in terms of pass rush, but stopping the run, he's, he's one of the best that's out there. Just a classic Alabama brute. Um, some other names, Sammy Watkins from the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they like Sammy, but the cost for the Kansas City Chiefs is $14 million in sa- just in savings from cutting them. So this is a situation kind of like I talked about when I did contracts where you really backload it, 
but you give yourself a big out because then you can reassess it and say, look, it's supposed to be, you know, however much, I don't know, what is, I'm not going to look it up. I don't have time. We're running out of time. But the savings are $14 million so that we're pretty comfortable in, in just cutting you. Obviously, they'd like to keep them. But again, in a wide receiver heavy draft, do you want to spend $14 million on a number two wide receiver? That seems a little crazy. If they cut him, he hits the open market. It's not a matter of we have to pay the $14 million. This isn't a trade, although they'll probably try to trade him. Maybe somebody will pay that for Sammy Watkins. I don't know. But if he gets cut, Sammy Watkins becomes available, and that becomes an option. The last two to consider, a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mark Barron. He's another guy that was a first-round draft pick. This is all the way back in 2012, another Alabama guy. Actually, he was seventh overall in the draft. Unfortunately, he is another example of don't take linebackers in the first round. So the, the, here's the thing. If he gets cut, I think his name is going to be pretty big. I think people are going to look at the fact that he was a seventh overall guy. He has a reputation for being great in coverage, but largely that's because he is a safety that converted. He's 230 pounds. The problem is he's actually not that good in coverage. He just isn't. NFL passer rating this past year, 102.6. And again, he's, he's 30 years old. So again, I think this is going to be one of those things. If he gets cut, it's going to be a big name. Just the answer is no. I don't know if that's the Packers' answer, but if they sign him, I'll be a little bit sad and hope that I'm very wrong. Finally, one more defensive tackle. This is coming from the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys obviously have a lot on their plate in terms of people they need to resign. They have a lot of money, but they got some big contracts coming up. So there's some talk that 30-year-old Tyrone Crawford may be going bye-bye. Um, pretty indifferent on Crawford. I don't think he's going to be able to provide much of an upgrade over what we already have. It really is just going to come down to whether or not it's somebody that Patton liked. He does kind of fit the mold, if I'm being honest. Six foot four, two ninety, really tall, really long, but kind of lean. And so I wouldn't be all that surprised if they take a swing if he's cheap. I'm just not a big fan. He only played four games this past year. However, if we kind of remove this past year, uh, 2018-2017 were actually pretty solid. And he's more of a pass rush type, maybe kind of Dean Lowry. He's, he's, he's Dean Lowry. The problem is we just paid Dean Lowry, so Dean Lowry needs to step up and be Dean Lowry rather than going out in free agency and getting a replacement Dean Lowry. So I, I, I don't know what the plan is. I just know Tyrone Crawford kind of fits the mold of what Mike Patton seems to like. So anyways, that's a couple of different options. There's obviously a ton of them out there. Those are just a few I was able to find. You never know what teams are going to do in, t- in terms of cutting or releasing guys. But these are a few of the expecteds. But anyways, that's it. I'm going to cut it off there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.